So I'm I'm confused by this uh, coronavirus because uh, I'm not panicked. I don't feel like, you know, this is it. But this has all of the earmarks of this is it. This has everything that they've ever said. You know, you know, one of these days we're going to have a pandemic. It's going to sweep. It'll come from an animal. It'll be something that'll jump over to humans. It'll be like the flu. We'll have no vaccine for it. We've never seen it before. And it'll infect people quickly. And it'll have a high death rate. Oh, yeah, well, that, that seems to be, I don't know, this. And yet everybody's like, no, nothing to worry about. You know, and China's just, you know, they just cordoned off 70 million people. So no big deal. Wait, they did what? So what is it that's really happening and what state, what, what, uh, uh, what steps should we be taking and what should we be looking for as a relief or the next sign that maybe this might be a, a bad uh, flu? Senator Tom Cotton is with us. Senator, how are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. Good to be on with you this morning. Thank yeah, you. Good. Hey. Yeah, yeah, you still having the Jones in a little bit? If I say I'm going to take your cell phone away, you just you get a little shaky. Uh, well, well, Glenn, uh, we've been in the impeachment trial now for a little over a week, and I can tell you that that is obsessing people in Washington. Yeah, but at home in Arkansas, and really anywhere outside of Washington and around the world, yeah. the biggest and the most important news story today, and for many many days to come, will be the coronavirus. Um, China is facing a catastrophe on the scale of Chernobyl. Uh, when communist Russia covered up the nuclear meltdown at the plant in Chernobyl, but in some ways it's worse because communist China covered up a viral outbreak that can become a global pandemic, okay, not so, simply have localized effects the way Chernobyl did. So, Tom, everybody is saying, all everybody. I mean, I talked to somebody from the WHO yesterday, and they're like, no, you know, China's really been transparent. I mean, we can't know for sure, but they've been pretty transparent. That seems like a new thing for China, uh, the communist Chinese. Glenn, China is lying, and they have been lying from the very beginning. And WHO officials or any other so-called expert that says China has been transparent and open is simply grading them on a curve compared to what they did with SARS in 2003 yeah. and handling them with kids, kid gloves, right. hoping that they can maintain access to Wuhan and working with China. But there is no doubt, Glenn, that China is lying. Let me just give you a short timeline. We now know the earliest case of uh, the coronavirus happened on December 1, a full month before China fessed up to the WHO. It may have been earlier than that. We also know that even once they told the WHO on December 31st, they continued to lie to their own citizens. They said until just last week it was contained with inside the city of Wuhan, a central Chinese city of 11 million people. Today, it is in every single province in China. We also know by their actions, Glenn, you don't even have to look at their history. Just look at the actions they have taken. They now have quarantined 60 million of their own people, more than the combined population of our entire West Coast. They have canceled school indefinitely. So school children are not going to school anywhere in China for the foreseeable future. And Hong Kong, which is under Beijing's thumb, has instituted a near total travel ban. Those are not, those are not the actions 
of a competent government that has control over this growing catastrophe. So, so Tom, what are we doing? Why is why is the United States? Why is British the British Airways the only one that has said, you know what, we're not flying in or out? Um, what are we doing as a nation? So, so Glenn, it, it is much more than British Airways, which announced yesterday, as did Lufthansa, national carrier of Germany. Just overnight, Glenn, Russia closed its entire border with China, the sixth longest border in the world, more than one-third larger than the U.S.-Mexico border. Yeah, but that's only because the Russians uh, hate people who are different than them. <laughs> well, Glenn, El <laughs> Al announced that they would stop all travel between Israel and China. Air France announced that they would stop flights between China and the United States. So what are we doing? This is what this is why I have been urging senior administration officials with whom I've consulted repeatedly over the last week, we need to shut down all commercial travel immediately between the United States and China. So Tom, now, Tom, hang on just a second. I know I, I know cuz we ha- we're having you on. I know what you were going to say on that. You've already said it. You've been urging, but I also know that Donald Trump is going to get exactly the same treatment that you are. Uh right now people are the, this is the most irresponsible thing I've ever heard. You're only doing that cuz well, you don't like people who are from China. You don't like immigrants. Oh my gosh. So when you propose this, you know this is going to be turned into a political nightmare. How do you break through all of that crap to get us to move quickly? Glenn, Glenn, um, the left or politically correct so-called experts can hurl every epithet they want at me or at Donald Trump. I am trying to protect American lives, and we need an immediate stop to commercial travel. Now, there are some exceptions, of course, to that. For instance, we should allow any American and their immediate family members in China the option to evacuate from China under to back to U.S. territory under appropriate and elevated monitoring. That's exactly what happened yesterday in California. We should continue to allow that. We should also allow medical experts from the CDC or HHS or our other laboratories to go into China as part of the WHO delegation to try to get to the bottom of what happened in Wuhan so hopefully we can find a vaccine. And we can allow continued trade. I understand that many people are worried about the breakdown of global supply chains. Well, that's fine. We can have you know shipping containers coming into the Long Beach port. We can have FedEx flights coming into Memphis. But when those crews land, they don't get to go into the hotel and the nightclub. They stay in a quarantined position. That should mitigate the economic impact to our country. But frankly, Glenn, supply chains may start to break down soon anyway because Chinese Workers are not going to be able to go to their factories as this contagion continues to grow throughout China. Right now, what we have to focus on is the immediate safety of the American people. And given the number of unknowns about this virus, the time is now to act. Frankly, it's past time to act. So, Tom, uh, I just read a um, I just read a story uh, from an American who is stuck in Wuhan. He was teaching at the university there. He said it is like stepping into a Twilight Zone episode. Eleven million people in this usually bustling 3,500-year-old city is silent. He said there is no one anywhere. No one's working. No one's going anywhere. No one's on campus. People are afraid. They don't know what's going to happen next. 
People are getting a sore throat and they think, is this the beginning of the end? It's a battle constantly inside of your own head. Um, we know that uh, I saw a report earlier this week that the Chinese have shut down their steel industry. There's two things that are going on right now. People in China can't go to work. If you can't make steel, we can't make cars. If we can't make parts for cars, we can't fix cars. If you can't make Apple products, Apple doesn't have a supply chain. Uh, Costco, uh, all of these things are are really important to all of us. Just if China goes down and struggles for six months, this is going to make a major impact economically. Uh, and I don't mean to sound callous. This is, a, you know, this is below all of the human toll. Um, but if it spreads here, we are looking at just in the fear of staying home or being quarantined and having to stay, you know, quarantined. We're looking at devastating effects, are we not? Uh, unfortunately, that could be the case, Glenn, especially in China. As I said, the most one of the most common reasons um, not to close commercial travel between two nations is the economic impact. We can mitigate that impact by allowing essential trade to continue to flow because there's no evidence that the coronavirus can sustain itself on, say, a shipping container or um, a uh, shipping package on an airplane. Um, however, even if we take those steps, Glenn, the economic impact may be already too severe to mitigate in the first place. Because if those factories are shut down in China, because China has been so incompetent and deceitful in addressing this outbreak, it doesn't matter to begin with. That's why we should take the actions now to protect the health of our people. And Glenn, I just want to say, because I know you've got a lot of listeners around the world, to include the 75 to 110,000 Americans who are in China today, if you are in China, especially if you're in Wuhan, contact the uh, our consulate. Um, tell them what your uh, position is and see if they can help you get out of the country. Um, in fact, there's a new email address I just saw on the newswire, coronavirusemergencyusc at state.gov. If you are in China and you are an American citizen with a passport and you want help getting out, coronavirusemergencyusc at state.gov. Um, if you're an American who's thinking about traveling to China, do not go. Do not go to china what about anywhere else in the world we're okay so far i mean that i i'm afraid glenn that in the days ahead um we will see confirmed cases um pretty much all around the world um you know we already have seen confirmed cases in most of china's um neighboring nations and I think that's only going to continue, again, because China lied to its own people and lied to the world for so long. If they had simply fessed up at the beginning and said, this is a novel virus, we need help containing it, then we might have stopped this outbreak for the benefit of the Chinese people as well as our people and the Communism. world. Communism. Is, this is why I say communist, communist Russia had a catastrophe with Chernobyl because of its own incompetence and deceitfulness. Communist China now has a Chernobyl-level catastrophe on its hands, although it's worse than Chernobyl yes. because a nuclear meltdown is localized, whereas a pandemic spreads around the world. Are you talking to uh, scientists, uh, epidemiologists, uh, getting counsel from them on this that's different than what we're necessarily hearing in the press, which isn't really a lot? 
Um, I, I have, Glenn. I can't say there's all that much difference, in part because we're still at the beginning stages of okay. understanding the virus. We could have been at this stage eight weeks ago. But here's some of the things we do know, Glenn. We do know that it could have a very long incubation period, as long as 14 days, which was much longer than SARS. We do know that individuals who are asymptomatic could be contagious, unlike SARS. That combination is is deadly deadly. because you can screen as many people you want on an airplane and in many ways as you want. But if they are asymptomatic and they don't have a fever and they don't have a cough and they're not adjusted, but they are contagious, you have no idea. The only way to stop it is to stop them from coming in the first place. Okay, Uh, Senator, I've got to go here and let you go back to work. But real quick, is there anything people can do? Practice good hygiene like you always do. No, no, no. I mean to help you you get the air travel to stop. Um, Email, call your senator and congressman, ask them uh, to advocate with the administration that we need to take a a temporary targeted pause on all commercial travel between the United States and China. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Senator Tom Cotton, you bet. All right. So yesterday I did about a half-hour interview with uh, one of the guys who's with the WHO. He's a Harvard epidemiologist, and we had a very rational, calm conversation. Um, and uh, he was, you know, very, very. He, he made it very clear before we even went on the air. He says, "Like I don't want to talk about, you know, ifs or rumors or anything else." He said, "I want to stick to science." And uh, he just wrote to me and said, "Thanks for the sciency conversation uh, on this." Um, so you can watch that if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. Also, I think we put the second half because I ran out of time. The second half of the interview. Uh, up on YouTube. It should be on my YouTube or the Blaze YouTube page uh, and watch that. Um, But there's something wrong with this, uh, this whole story, Um, because I have been watching pandemics for a very long time, and I've been warning about a pandemic, not because I'm a soothsayer or because of, you know, I'm a catastrophist, even though I am. Uh, it, It is true Pandemics wipe out a lot of people. Um, okay. They, by the way, I'm just getting a note. That extra interview is not up yet, but it will be up soon. Um, pandemics wipe, wipe people out. I mean, in 1918, the Spanish flu, uh, which this appears to be as bad and possibly worse, wiped out a third of the people who got it, 500 million people. The estimates are that with travel and everything that we have today, millions, millions upon millions of people would have died. Many more will die this time around because of travel. That pandemic in 1918 killed more than all of the people killed in World War I and World War II. That's how bad it was. And they've been telling us for a while, one of these pandemics, one of these uh, pandemics are going to happen again and it's going to be a flu and it's going to come from it's going to jump from an animal. This one apparently jumped from a bat. We'll have never have seen it before. We'll have no defense against it. You'll have no immunity against it because it's brand new and it's from the animals uh, and it will spread quickly, which this one does. This is more virile than SARS or anything else we've seen. Um, it spreads. It has a, a long incubation period. It You show no symptoms when you're contagious. That's really dangerous. The mortality rate does seem to be on the lower side. If which is you good. believe China, 
mm-hmm. if you believe China. But remember, China has the avian flu, which we know is really horrible. I mean, if you contract the avian flu, it's like a 50 or so between a 40 and 60 percent death rate. All right. And we know about that. They don't they have outbreaks of avian flu and they don't put 75 million people in quarantine. No, I mean, look, this is going to spread fast and it's going to kill way more people than SARS. Right. Uh, because already, of, because it cases. spreads to so many more people. SARS killed only 800, though, and worldwide. This one they're saying is about, a, you know, it looks like it's about a 10, you know, 10 percent, uh, uh, you know, uh, mortality rate is potentially possible, which if that's true, it's gonna, the numbers are going to be gigantic. But again, the good thing is we are at least doing something about it now yeah. uh, and we're aware of it. But I, you, you need be, to pay attention tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to spend the day today trying to find an expert that really understands what you should have at home because there's a tragic story out of Wuhan today of things are in such chaos. The parents both went to the hospital. They left their son, who's handicapped, at the house. They never came back. They found him seven days later dead. Uh, I mean, things get crazy in a pandemic, and you should just be prepared. Probably won't happen, but let's just be prepared. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, it's Thursday. Big show for you tomorrow that you don't want to miss. And tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to show you a sneak peek of a documentary on Clarence Thomas. I watched it last night. I have the, the filmmaker on with me tonight, and we're going to show clips of it. It is amazing. It's amazing to, to really learn about Clarence Thomas's life. Do you know why he, even, why he became um, a lawyer? Why he w- wanted to go into law? Because his father was so frightened of police because they would stop him. You know, he lived in the South in the bad days. And uh, his father would be stopped and the police would say, you can't do that. You know, we're going to write you a ticket. And it was not true. Mm-hmm. He was always afraid of the law. And he said, "There's, I'm not going to live this way. And I'm not going to let other people live this way. And so he got into it. I mean, he is a civil rights uh, giant. He lived it. And you just don't know any of that. You know, he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, he's probably got his clan hood someplace. Right. And he's not. No. He is just a remarkable man. Can't wait to see this. Yeah. Five o'clock tonight. Uh, we have a sneak pre- uh, preview of that. Dave, I say, is a good friend of the program. Uh, I would hope, Dave, I could call you a friend of mine. Uh, we've gotten to know each other over the last uh, couple of years. He is the yep. founder and president of StoryCorps, which is this great uh, a great thing that really only liberals know about because it's on NPR and uh, it's available for everybody. And we've been asking Dave to come and share some of these stories. And he's doing such a great service to the country on trying to bring people together. And if you don't mind me asking before we get into the story, you're doing something. I think it's in Birmingham uh, that I've been trying to go to. It's happening next week. Uh, and can you explain what that is, Dave? Sure. Hi, Glenn. It's, Hi. it's great to be on again. You bet. Um, and yeah, you've been you've been a great friend to StoryCorps and to One Small Step. So we, you know, we have StoryCorps is this massive project where people interview their grandparents or their parents, and all the interviewers go to the Library of Congress. We've done 
600,000 participants across America, really just celebrating the wisdom of humanity. And I came to you a couple years ago when we came up with this crazy idea to kind of change StoryCorps a little bit for the times and put strangers together across the political divides into StoryCorps booths just to look each other in the face, not to talk about politics, just to remember that that person is a human being um, because of this kind of culture of contempt that we live in. And you've been an incredible... A supporter and friend as we've tested this thing, because our Hippocratic oath, you know, is that we're not going to do any harm to anybody who comes to StoryCorps. We're a nonprofit public service. We're here to help people. We're here to help the country. And in fact, uh, what happens in the booth is pretty remarkable. Yeah. As you know, it's hard to hate up close. So yeah. um, we have an, we have an event um, uh, next uh, Friday night, February 7th in Birmingham. And I know that Birmingham is a strong town for uh for uh for your show for yeah, yeah. Glenn Beck fans. Yeah. It's at the Alice Stevens Center and we um it's gonna be uh a night of uh just everyday people coming together and um a night of hope and reconciliation and starting to chart a path forward for the country where it's liberals and conservatives together, not to talk about politics, but just to remember our shared humanity. I will tell you, um, Dave, I'm I'm still trying to get there. I know I know my I office just keeps saying but I'm Still trying to get there because I so believe in what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people that on both sides that say, you know, I want to bring people. But they don't. They really don't. Um, they they still want their agenda. And the one thing right. I've learned about you, Dave, that um, uh, impresses me from the first day until today, I have never seen you do anything that would violate the spirit of what you've talked about with me privately. And that is. Glenn, we really don't care. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter our political backgrounds. We have got to come back together. And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. I, I, think, there, there, I think there are, too. And, I mean, when we first met, and it was just a couple of years ago, things were better than they are now, yeah. which is hard to imagine. You know, and, yeah. I, and I think that we're looking at an extinction-level threat to our country, and I know you feel that way as well, if we can't begin to see the humanity in people we disagree with. I mean, you have no one has ever changed someone's mind by calling them a moron or an idiot or what or a Nazi or whatever it is. We just drive ourselves further into our corners. And that's not what this country is. And I think I, I mean, it's just time to say enough. It's enough. <laughs> you know, um, and we're so we're offering um, uh, uh, because you ha- you were one of the first partners on this project. We're offering it's going to be it's going to be an amazing night. We're going to have people actually from some of the stories that we're playing today um, uh, on the show. Um, but the first fifty Glenn Beck listeners who go who write to one small step at StoryCorps, which is s t o r y c o r p s dot org, will get complimentary tickets to the event. Again, it's at the Alice Stevens Center. Um, Jimmy Hall and the Southern Cultural Revival will be playing. It's going to be, it's just going to be an, it's, it's, it's a missionary work kind of night. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing night. And, and, and there's no politics, I, 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 there's no I, politics I, involved, right? That's right. Okay. And, uh, and if you, if you want to make a difference and you're not the kind of person that's like, I'm going to go to this and I'm going to wear my Trump hat. Uh, don't, please don't. Please don't do that. And and the left is being told the same thing. And it's not the left. It's just Americans, both left and right. Uh, you know, Democrat, Republican, independent, every, independent. Everybody is trying to come together. This is a room full of people. And it's a, you know, kind of, as Dave says, one small step, one one night where everybody's just going to celebrate 
you know, what we really are supposed to be and find roads to each other. And Birmingham is one of the first places to do it. I'm trying to be there. I can't make any promises, but I really want to be there. Um, and I would love for you to join. If you are anywhere in that area, please just uh, write to one small step at storycore.com. Uh, or is it dot org? Dot org. Dot org. Okay. Yeah. And again, this is this is a charged event, but uh, Glenn Beck listeners, uh, the first fifty can come in complimentary. You know, as you were talking, it was reminding me of um, the story about about Lincoln, which I don't think is all that well known. But in the Civil War, um, Lincoln was giving a speech, and he started talking about Southerners as fellow human beings who are dead wrong. Uh, and somebody in the audience, a woman in the audience, said. You know, how can you how can you just call them human beings? They're animals. They have to be destroyed. And mm. Lincoln said, don't I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Right. Mm. So, um, I mean, every every bit of knowledge, everything we know about how humans uh, have have evolved and interacted with each other speak to the danger of, of seeing people as less than human, which is what we're doing. I mean, when we start using, you know, terms, when, when we start thinking of our of our fellow um, Americans as somehow less than human. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what happened in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. You know what happened in Nazi Germany. You know, Man, it's fast. Slavery. We can't. We cannot do this. Right. Um, so, so it's time. And I'm very grateful to you for being at the forefront of this. Uh, so we have only about two minutes. I don't even know if we have time. Can we play the uh, the Julio uh, Diaz uh, sure. segment? How long is that, Sarah? Do we have time? Okay, so we have time. It's a couple of minutes. Listen to this. This is StoryCorps. So I get off the train. You know, I'm walking towards the stairs, and this young teenager uh, pulls out a knife. He wants my money, so I just gave him my wallet and told him, here you go. He starts to leave, and as he's walking away, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, you forgot something. If you're going to be robbing people for the rest of the night, you might as well take my coat to keep you warm. So, you know, he's looking at me like, what's going on here, you know? And he asks me, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, well... I don't know, man. If you're willing to risk your freedom for a few dollars, then I guess you must really need the money. I mean, all I wanted to do was go get dinner. And uh, if you really want to join me, hey, you're more than welcome. So I'm like, look, you can follow me if you want. You know, I just felt maybe he really needs help. So, you know, we go into the diner where I normally eat. We sit down in the booth and the manager comes by, the dishwashers come by, the waiters come by to say hi, you know. So the kid was like, Man, but you know everybody here. Do you own this place? I'm like, no, I, I just eat here a lot. He's like, but you're even nice to the dishwasher. I'm like, well, haven't you been taught you should be nice to everybody? So he's like, yeah, but I didn't think people actually behaved that way. So I just asked him in the end. I'm like, you know, what is it that you want out of life? He just had almost a sad face. Either he couldn't answer me or he didn't want to. The bill came and I look at him and I'm like, look, uh, I guess you're going to have to pay for this bill because you have my money and I can't pay for this. So <laughs> if you give me my wallet back, I'll gladly treat you. He didn't even think about it. He's like, yeah, okay, here you go. So I got my wallet back. And I gave, you know, I gave him $20 for it. You know, I figure uh, maybe it'll help him. I don't know. And when I gave him the $20, I asked him to give me something in return, which was his knife. And he gave it to me. You know, it's funny because when I told my mom about what happened, you know, no mom wants to hear this. But with her, she was like, well, you know, you're the type of kid that always someone asked you for the time. You gave them your watch. I, don't know, I figure, you know, you treat people right. You ho- you can only hope that they treat you right. 
It's as simple as it gets in this complicated world. What mm. a great story. What a great story. I mean, and if and it's it, real and it's, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's and true. It, this guy's a social worker in the Bronx. This is who we are. This is America. It is. And it goes back to our basic principles. I don't care if you learned it from, from you know, Gandhi or Jesus or whoever. It doesn't matter. I mean, him actually, get, that's what Jesus said. Somebody wants this. Give him your coat. Give him your give him your shirt. And that's what happens when we behave the way we're supposed to behave. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Glenn. Take care. Talk to you soon. You bet. Welcome to the uh, program. You know, we all know who we are. Unfortunately, we are being used uh, by the media. We are being played by the media. Uh, and we are being played by politicians that want their control. And it's hard because when you look at your neighbor and they disagree, it is so hard to say, you know, to not say, you suck and you're killing the country. But it's not our neighbors are not the media and they're not those in Washington. Most of our neighbors, most of our neighbors, not all of them, uh, are reasonable and they want to get along and they, they see this as really bad for the nation. Um, but it's it's so hard to be nice to people um, because you're usually not treated nicely. Uh, and, you know, when you see things like th- this impeachment has been so divisive by the press, there's a new study out that shows the reports on impeachment from mainstream media has been 100 percent negative on Donald Trump's side and 95 percent positive on Adam Schiff and the Democratic side. That's not possible. No, it's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. possible. The Republicans never make a good point. They never. Never. Ne- none of their good points could ever be highlighted. They're always, always the worst point. Alan Dershowitz, this left-wing guy that you've been praising for 40 years, couldn't make one decent point at all throughout the entire time. They never would highlight So them. what's amazing, I want to go into this tomorrow. What's amazing is other research shows that even Democrats are not buying into this. When when the New York Times endorsed um, uh, Elizabeth Warren, the New York Times readers, the ones who say, yes, I read the New York Times every day, their support for Joe Biden went up five percent after the endorsement. So mm. I don't know who they're even talking to anymore, because even their own readers and their own uh, consumers don't value their opinion And don't seem to connect with their opinion in the real world. We'll have more on that tomorrow. Also, big news. Tonight, 8 o'clock, we have Carter Page on. He's just filed major litigation against the Democrats for what was done to him with the FISA courts. You'll hear all about it tonight. 8 p.m. Blaze subscribers only. You're listening to Glenn Beck.